got your Bibles out, we're going to go back to where we were last week, and we're talking about overcoming, and I'm telling you, there is an avenue in the Word of God teaching us how to be overcomers. The Bible did not declare that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus if the Bible didn't mean it, amen? Uh, it, it meant it. Uh, I, I was watching something this last week, and we've got a tragedy happening inside the word of, uh, inside the church. And if we're not careful, and I think it's part of what the Bible warned us in the last days, that if he prolonged his coming, that even the very elect would be deceived. And we see right now the church is being infected and and infiltrated by the progressive Christian. And if we don't understand what progressive Christianity is, then we're going to slip our way into it. Progressive Christianity does not have much word base in it, but they've got the catchphrases down. They're all about community, and they're all about uh, being nice to people and trying to reach out, but there's no biblical sound doctrine in it. There's no repentance. There's no... There's no conviction in it. There's no, they've taken Jesus out of it and created a new religion. And they're in your churches, they're in your pulpits right now, and they're, they're trying to convince people just being nice is going to be good enough. And I got news for you. Being nice is part of it. <laughs> being hard Christian is not what we're supposed to be. But there's a whole lot more to it. And, and so I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about it because Paul dealt with this, and, we, and if Paul dealt with this, we've all dealt with it. I, I don't know about you, but uh, growing up, uh, being saved was one of the hardest things to be, you know? And, and this is supposed to be the walk that everybody should want to, to be on. And, and, and people don't want a harder road, you know? They don't want a harder life. They, they want to live a life that, that is, you know... That, that, that shows some, some victory in it, amen, and some, some, some positive in it. Um, and I'm going to tell you, you can't find anything more positive than the gospel. You won't find anyone more open-minded than God. Did you just hear me? You will not find anyone more open-minded than God. He created the vastness of everything you look up at at night in those stars. You can't get any more open-minded than that. Amen? There's no limit to him. Closed-mindedness is this idea that I have a fantasy and a delusion about myself, and if you don't share with the delusion, then there's something wrong with you. That's closed-mindedness. Amen? Open-mindedness is, is that God has a plan for you, and there's no limit to it. All you got to do is find out why you were brought here. Why would you even show up? And God has an answer for that for you also. And it'll, you'll find it in the desires of your heart. The Bible says he gave you the desires of your heart. When flesh lets go and takes over, what happens is greed and all that other stuff, narcissism and all that other stuff, 
attaches itself. But whenever we are operating in the spirit and the flesh does no longer have control over us, when we're operating in the spirit, we begin to come into agreement with, 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 with what's in our heart and we begin to operate in patience walking down a road to our destiny and the purpose of being here. Wow, that's a mouthful. Well, let's see. Paul had the same problems. Paul ended up over in uh, Romans, we saw, where Paul last week said, Oh, wretched man am I, who can deliver me from all this torment, basically is what he said. How many of you ever felt like you are tormented as a Christian? <laughs> can I tell you why you're tormented as a Christian? Jesus gave us a little hint. He said, when a man is delivered from an in, from a from an evil spirit, that evil spirit goes out and and uh, goes and finds other evil spirits, and he comes back to the man who's been all cleaned up on the inside and is empty, and the and the and the end of that man is worse than the beginning. Okay. Now, you're a child of God. A demon can't enter in you. You've been sealed, the Bible said, to the day of redemption by the Spirit of God and by the blood of Jesus Christ. But when you get saved, you get cleaned up. And then you're walking along, not minding your own business, trying to do, 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 do all the right things so you can be a good Christian. But there's seven more coming, and they're pounding trying to get in, causing you all sorts of trouble. They can't get in, but they're pounding trying to get in. They're messing up your roadway, your pathway, your day, your paycheck. They're messing up, your, they're messing up everything they can mess up. They're working on your flesh, trying to get you to go back to your old ways and depend upon that flesh. They're pulling you with desires and flashing you all the time with, with, with thoughts and ideas and things that are, that are attached to your flesh. Now, do you understand what's going on? The Christian, does, the, the sinner doesn't have that because he's already in bondage. The child of God set free and they're coming back around because we haven't been filled with anything. And we think staying away from church for a little while and getting it right, and then we'll come back. We'll get it fixed. And you're still trying to get your flesh in line. It's all you're trying to do. You're not filling yourself. You're not filling yourself with something that can defeat them. Because, see, if the house is full, they'll go looking somewhere else. How do I fill my house? With the word of God. With the promises of God. With what God says about me, not what my flesh says about me, not what my past says about me, not what my friends say about me, not what my family says about me, not even what my church members say about me. I'm going to say what God says about me. Now we're walking in the spirit and that'll be the toughest walk you'll ever walk. Because you'll be speaking those things that are not as though they were. 
but because you've got Father in you and you're made after his image and his likeness, when you begin to speak those things that are not as though they were, they shall be just like they are with him. But you've got to get something in you before you can speak it. The Bible says we believe, therefore we speak. It's not in you till you believe it. The word the, that song just said, do you believe it? Do you receive it? Well, then now testify. Speak it. Speak it. And, 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 and the Spirit of God will rise up inside of you. And your words will formulate into the atmosphere. And they will produce what you're speaking. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Does all that make sense? They stop knocking. It'll be not long before there'll only be a few of them knocking. It won't be long before only one of them's knocking. And then it won't be long before none of them's knocking anymore. What happens when none of them are knocking? You freed them. You can raise your sword and shout to the heavens that you are free. Now you can go and you can go, you can go defeat. You can get it off of somebody else. You can set somebody else free. You can show them your path. Are they dealing with different things? Yes. But they're all pulling from the same direction. Amen. The Bible says there is no sin that is new to any of us. We're all dealing with the same thing. Satan's never had anything new to show up. You are not special in that arena. He's using the same thing on everybody. What happens is some of us just listen. When we go listening to him, it's not long before we're believing it. It's not long before we're receiving it. And then it's not long before we're in bondage to it. Hmm. Hmm. You can listen to somebody and tell what they believe. Because they're going to speak it. It's going to come out of them. That's right. It'll come out of them. It'll come out of them. You want to know? Just, just hang around somebody who's building something. And somebody's going to hit their thumb with a, with a hammer. And you are going to know what they believe right then. They're going to get pressured. They're going to miss a bill. Something's going to happen to those finances. Something's going to happen, and you're going to hear what they believe. They're going to miss a, a job. They're going to, a, a contract's going to get pulled or, or something. And you're going to hear out of their mouth what they really believe. Well, let's just get right into home. Go come home, and you're going to have little arguments and little stuff, and then all of a sudden, nothing's happening in the bedroom anymore. Nothing's happening with the, uh, the fun times we used to have, and it ain't going to be long. What's going to come out is going to be who, what you really believe. You're going to get aged. You're going to find yourself alone. And when you do, along enough of it, what's going to come out of your mouth is what you really believe. Now, 
what you have to understand is you're just hearing what's always been there. Hello? And only you can change it. The past, I can't change this pastor. I can't lay hands on you and change your words. Your words change on what you believe. And what you begin to, and how you begin to believe it is you begin to meditate on it. You begin, you may have to speak it even when you don't see it. But you're going to have to meditate on it. You're going to have to wrap your mind around that this is the way it is and it isn't another way. Either you're going to line that flesh up or that flesh is going to take hold of you and it's going to take you. Guess where it returns? Guess where the flesh returns? To the dirt. And that's where you're headed if you keep, teach, if you keep talking. You're going to talk yourself right into the dirt. All right? So watch this. Let's just go back to where we were last week. Paul said, what am I going to do? How am I going to be saved from all of this? He said, thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God. What he was saying was, thank God for the anointed word. Christ is the anointing. Jesus is the word. And he came right out and said, thank God for Jesus Christ. For the word anointed. Because the word anointed does something in me that no other word can do. It's the word that saved me. It's the word that convinced me that he was Savior and I came to him. It's the word, it's the anointed word that he drew me to himself. It's the anointed word that wakes me up in the middle of the night and says, let's go talk. And causes me to go. It's the anointed word that when, when, when and you've heard this over and over again, Stories, every time there's a catastrophe, you hear the stories. I heard one man in Sri Lanka, whenever the, the, the tsunami took out uh, Sri Lanka here a few years ago. It's been several years ago. I knew a pastor, and he was talking to somebody. Matter of fact, he was getting ready to go to Sri Lanka for that weekend when the tsunami hit, and everybody, all those people lost their lives. And something on the inside said, don't go. And he just, okay, we're not going. We're canceling that trip. He'd have been right in the middle of that and would have lost his life. At the same time, a man was out in the sea doing a class trip. Now, I don't, you know, that's over there. They do things differently. But there's kind of a class trip out there at sea. And something on the inside of him, he was getting ready to take that, that boat back in to port. And something came to him and said, stay out here. Stay out here. And that tsunami went out ahead of him and went into that port and wiped it all out, and they were saved out there in the boat. What is that? The anointed word came just like it did when it saved you, drew you to himself. He speaks to you with warning. He speaks to you with, with, with excitement to act now, do it now, go now. He's the one that comes in and says, hey, don't go there today shopping Go over here today shopping, and then there was an abduction over here. There was a shooting over here. Or there was just a deal over here. It's the anointed word speaking. How does that happen? I keep coming back for more anointed word. I ask the Holy Spirit to show me before I open this up and read it 
because then I'm asking for that anointed word. I'm not going in on my own understanding. See, Paul said, I'm a wretched man, but Paul didn't stay a wretched man. You might be a wretched man. You might be a wretched woman fussing and wrestling with your demons, all of them coming back, and they're pounding on your door trying to get in. But here's the good news. There is an anointed word, and you've got to grab a hold of it, and then you've got to respond to it. You would have never gotten saved had you not responded. They would have never been saved from that tsunami had they not responded. God may have said to you, get out of this business now. Now, you've tried to make it work. You tried. You tried everything you knew how to do. And it just did. And God said, get out now. And you'll find out down the road, maybe 10 years down the road, you'll find out, man, did I respond just in time. <laughs> wow. I could have lost everything. I'm just thankful I lost a little bit out of that. Amen? Why? Because the anointed word is speaking to you. What God's trying to do with that is he's trying to get you attentive so that you know his voice when he's speaking. You respond and, and things are fulfilled and you know that from now on. And now, the, at first, when you got saved, you remember how you were when you got saved? That anointed word came and you were just shaking all over. How many of you remember that? I mean, you, you're just, you're just, oh my goodness. You know, you were scared to go down that altar. You were afraid to confess Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Where did that fear come from? You hadn't known him yet. You just knew he's a Savior. You weren't sure what judgment was coming. You didn't know what was happening. But you knew you needed a Savior, right? Now, I'm not saying fear brought you there. What I'm saying is we were afraid facing with our sin in front of a holy God. That's what it was. And then afterwards, you remember how good you felt afterwards? You came afraid to face a holy God, and what you found was a loving Father. And afterwards, it rolled off of you, and you never felt freer. You never felt better. You, I mean, you just felt, wouldn't you just love to feel like that every day? Well, it's possible. It's possible. Because when we hear him, it won't be long. You keep listening, and you won't be afraid anymore when he asks you to do something. When he speaks to you with that anointed word, you'll just respond because you know good stuff's coming. Used to, when God spoke to me, it was kind of like getting a salad at dinner. I get the salad because you're supposed to eat a salad. So I'd order a salad, and he'd come, and I'd eat it. Couldn't wait to get it out of the way because something good's coming. Now, whenever I hear the word of God, it's just like a salad. I can't wait to get the salad because I get that out of the way, something good's coming. Amen? I hear the word God speak to me. Sometimes, sometimes I'm a little, but let's get on past it because the good stuff's coming. 
God's going to move. God's gonna, he speaks he's getting ready to do something good. Amen? Well, Paul later on in Galatians, he comes back around and he says this. This I say then, this is in five Galatians 5 and 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things you would. Remember back in Romans, he said, that what I want to do or would do, I can't. And that what I would not do, that's what I keep doing. Paul used those same words here to try to get your attention, to remember what he was talking about in Romans. The letter to Romans, he turned around and wrote to Galatians, and he t- the Galatian church, and he's telling them, this is how, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. Why? He, he knew. He lived this life. He knew what it was like to live the life and tr- wanting to do what he wanted to do and couldn't. And the things he didn't want to do, that's what he kept doing. Paul understood. So if you're in that, if you're in that trench right now, you're in good company because Paul was there. And Paul said, here's how you defeat this. Because here's the thing, folks. He comes in and he saves your, 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 your soul. He, 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 and the soul is not quite saved right out of the gate. Uh, it's not completely delivered, though it will be a, though it's attached to your spirit. And the moment you receive Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, your spirit man comes to life, and your soul is attached to that spirit man. Okay, so if Christ comes, you're going, even though your soul's not completely delivered yet. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Well, let me ask you something. Do you still think thoughts you shouldn't think? Don't nobody answer that. Because we're all, we, I might as well sit in the chair right now because we're all in the same boat. Okay? So if my soul is still thinking things my soul shouldn't think, is my soul delivered? No! Come on, let's get off. Let's get set free here. And here's what the devil likes to do. He likes to convince you that you're the only one at church that isn't delivered yet. Everybody else is thinking pure thoughts but me. Hello. He gets you thinking that you're the only one that has those driving urges. You're the only one that has those thirsts and hungers. You're the only one that is. You're, there's something wrong with you because you keep coming to this place and you keep listening to the same message and everybody else is getting it but me. Boy, he likes it when you're in that position because he's got you on your heels and you're now in a position of, of not, you're not in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, a you're, you're in a position of responding to him. Rather than that you're in reaction, not proactive, you're reactive. And he wants you reactive, not proactive. And the first thing he'll say to you when the pastor's trying to convince you to speak those things that are not as though they were and get your focus, your mind. Paul said, 
you got this flesh over here, you got your spirit man who's alive now, and he is in agreement with God. He's whole. Your flesh is not attached. It's just the spirit is stuck living in it because it's the only body he's got and the only body you got. And you got your mind here in the middle and are you continuing in the way that you were before you were saved? In some areas you are. In some areas you're convinced that, that, that what, what, is, what the Bible says, what God's promises are, they are yes and amen and you're standing on those. But you still got this battle over here. And it's called the flesh. And the only thing that's going to change that flesh and crucify it is the right hymn between your ears. And that's why Satan likes to get in between your ears. Because as long as you got this hanging on you, he'll keep you drugged down. He'll keep you defeated. Okay? So now watch this. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law, the law of sin. Now the works of the flesh, now listen, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law of sin. What's the law of sin? Okay. Sin, the Bible says, when it has its, its complete work, brings death okay so if we are operating by the flesh and we're led by the flesh those 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 things that we're struggling with will bring death but if we'll live in the spirit of this thing see here's what they told you when you sin what are you supposed to do what are you supposed to do? Quiet, Fred. Ask for forgiveness. In other words, say you're sorry. How many of you has that worked? I mean, after you ask for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry, did it just all go away? Has that ever worked? So we do it again. And we do it again. And we do it again. And what happens is we work, the Bible said, or the Bible, the, the church has told us and taught us that we're, we're working that out and we're, we're, we're repenting. That's not repenting. Are you sorry? Yes, you may be. Are you going to God as a, as a father to forgive me? Yeah. But does it change anything? No. So we're kind of led to believe that if we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, if we wrestle with this condemnation, this guilt, and we wrestle with it enough and deal with it enough because Parenting skills for a long time were based on guilt. If I can make you feel low enough, you won't do this again. 
we've taken that into our Christian walk with our Heavenly Father. That if we get to feeling bad enough about this, we won't do this again. And we feel really bad about it. We feel like dirt. We, we've apologized. We've tried to fix it. We've, tried, we've done everything that we're supposed to do. And then we've lived it out. And then we get to one day we wake up, we get to feel a little lighter. God must have forgave me. Everything must be right now. Everything's good with me and Father. We're all good. And then we get ourselves in that same position. We find ourselves off, off track and on that same path because our flesh draws us that direction. And then it's not long we're repeating what we just apologized for. Whether it be talking to somebody the way we talk to them, whether it be slipping up with, with uh, excess in something, maybe it, whatever that is. And then we're right back to the same apologizing, asking for forgiveness, and let's move on, all right? And, then, and we go through the same cycle until we feel better again. Then we feel good again. And sometimes it takes you a few weeks. Sometimes it takes you months. Sometimes it takes you years before you feel light enough that you can show your face back in church. You can show your face back around God's people. You can show your face back around uh, 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 the, the, the Bible, get back in the Word. Because you just feel so guilty you can't hardly open up the Word. This is a trap of the enemy, folks. Let's just, let me, let me show you something here. He said, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to, 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 to one another. Let's go down to verse 18, or verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. They manifest. The works of the flesh manifest. We get saved, and somebody has kind of led us to believe when we get saved, all that's just going to fall off of us. The Bible says when we get saved... That, that we are no longer we are no longer sinners and now all that is in the past and behold all things have become new okay and that is true that is absolutely true but it doesn't get rid of the flesh and we get this in our mind that See, before you had no you had no authority over your flesh. You had no authority over your flesh. You think you do, but you don't. I've watched people thinking they have authority over their flesh, they they lose weight and then they gain it back. They lose it and they gain it back. If we could get really get authority over our flesh, Jenny Craig would have went under a long time ago. Come on. Even if you get yourself all fit, you get this flesh looking really good, then it's not long before you get obsessed with it. And you just keep working out, looking good, looking better. Come on. And what's happening now? The flesh is still in charge. It's still leading you. You have no authority over this flesh as a human being. You only gain authority over the flesh through Jesus Christ. Through That's why he said, Behold, all things have become new. Because now in the born again, the spirit comes to life. 
greater is he that is in you than he is it that's in the world. Okay? See, we get to thinking greater is he that's in me than the demons and the devil and all that. You have authority over that too, but what he's talking about is greater is he that is in you. The Spirit has now come alive inside of you. Now you have authority over the flesh, he that's in the world. Because you're a spirit man, and it won't be long whenever you transform this soul, your mind, will, and emotions, you will be seated in heavenly places. But this flesh is still in this world. Because we look like we're talking out of our head and we, the, the world hears us say, well, I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. No, you're not. You're right here. You know what they're trying to tell you? Trying to remind you of your flesh. Your flesh is right here in this world. Where's your flesh going to go whenever you die? Right back to the dirt. Are you, is that dirt ever going to come back to life and you're going to go to heaven with that same dirt? The Bible says you get a new body. This thing has got to understand, hey, buddy, you're temporal. You started here on this earth. You will end on this earth, but I will live forever. And you are going to come in to subjection to me. Boy, all that preaches. You can even get loud and shout over that one. Go home and live it. Then it's not so easy. <laughs> Amen. Then it's, then it's a little tougher, right? Well, let me give you something to help you live this, all right? Go over to 1 John. Boy, this is going to be one of them that they will shoot me down over this one, okay? I'll get myself in more trouble over this one right here. Oof, dare I even go here. Okay, I think I've been pretty clear that there's no license for sinning. Okay? But how are we going to conquer it? How are we going to overcome? Because you're never going to overcome the things that are going on in this world that we're facing right now, the world is looking for somebody to step up. And the power is in the church to do so. And we're still wrestling with our demon and we can't get over ourselves yet. Here's how we do it. My little children, I love the way he starts out. 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father who is Christ Jesus the righteous. Remember the anointed word or the word anointed. And he is the propitiation. Boy, now here's the big word. This is the $20 word here that we're going to have to get a hold of. Okay? He is the propitiation of our sins. And not for ours only, 
but also for the sins of the whole world. What's that mean? What's the we just slide by that? We know what advocate means. That's a that's a legal term. An advocate is an attorney. So if he's the advocate for us for, for us when we sin, what does that mean? Now wait a second. We got to grab. We got to wrap our head around this because this is going to be hard. Because we've been trained when we sin, we have to we have to get motivated. We have to go into action. That's what you've been taught. That's what I've been taught. We've all been trained. When we make a mistake, we mess up. The first thing we got to go do is we got to get into motion. We have to do something. Okay? But the Bible says that when we sin, we have an advocate. What's an advocate do? He argues on your behalf. He comes and stands in your place to speak for you, right? And then the Bible goes on to say, and he is the propitiation of our sin. Did it say, you have an advocate with the Father, who is Christ Jesus, now repent. Is that what it said? You have an advocate with the Father, who is Christ Jesus, now say you're sorry. You have an advocate with the Father, who is Christ Jesus, now you better straighten out. You have an advocate with the Father. Shame on you. you got an advocate with the Father who is Christ Jesus. How dare you do the things you do? Think the thoughts you think. What is wrong with you? You've got an advocate with the Father. That, no, that's not what the Bible says. It said you have an advocate with the Father who is Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ, the anointed or the word anointed, and he is the propitiation of your sin. Wait a second. Wait a second. I do not say this for you to sin, but if you do, you know what John's saying? I know you're going to. <laughs> so here's your way out. You have an advocate. What's an advocate do? He goes into motion immediately. You go get an attorney, that attorney goes to work. If that attorney doesn't do anything, what are you going to do? He's not an attorney. He's, not, he's worthless. What is a propitiated of sin? The Bible, when you go look that up, it's only mentioned like three times in the whole Bible. But it's always going back to the Ark of the Covenant. A propitiator is the lid to the Ark. What's that mean? The lid is where the mercy seat was. It's where the blood was poured out for sin. And the Bible said when he poured out his sin, his blood, it wasn't for this year and then have to do it next year. It was one time only. So when we sin, Christ goes to work speaking on behalf of what he did at the mercy seat 
and your sin is no more. Before you can even finish up the act. Did you just hear me? Before you can finish up the act, he has already went into action and he is already he is already arguing the point that I have already covered them. Oh my. Oh my. Boy, is that good news. And not just, here we go. And not just yours, but the whole world. Okay? Now this sets us free. Because now we're no longer blaming anybody else for what we did. Because God's same forgiveness is for them also. For the others involved, God's forgiveness is for them also. It is when we begin to transform our mind to the idea that there is nothing you will ever do that he didn't already know you were going to do it before he ever formed you in your mother's womb. And when he brought you to himself, <coughs> you did not find him, he found you. And when he found you and brought you to himself, when he said, I am faithful, I who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work in you, then he knew you from the beginning to the end, and he knows what it's going to take. In some of your areas, how long will it take? I don't know, but he does. But I can tell you the route that will be fastest to your complete uh, freedom is to speak the Spirit word only. Paul said, I would that you all speak the same thing. And he was talking about speaking the word of God. Why? Because it's the fastest way to living in the spirit and this flesh no longer having any control over you. But in the process of that, you are covered. You don't spend your life in a cycle of condemnation, guilt, and shame and constantly trying to get out of that because feelings come and feelings go. And when that feeling goes, then we think everything's all right and we're going to be good. And Satan has deceived us because that sin is still there and the only way to get rid of it, it's, in, it's not in you, it's in your flesh. And the only way to conquer that flesh is to speak what the Spirit says about you. To believe what the Spirit of God says about you. To receive what the Spirit of God says about you. To testify what the Spirit of God says about you. Now this wrecks, this wrecks most denominational teaching. But I'll tell you the first thing you need to do when you slip up, you need to get right in the mirror and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a holy man of God. I am chosen. I have a purpose. God has a plan for me. Well, I thought we were supposed to go ask for forgiveness before we could say something like that. No. 
He's the advocate is already in action. The propitiation is already established. I go and I confess what he says about me. And I live in the spirit. That's living in the spirit. That's not living in the reality of, of this realm, this world, and in the flesh. But because that doesn't sound right, but in the Bible it is right. And I'm telling you, it's your only way to freedom from yourself. You're not trying to get free from a, uh, from, from a glass of alcohol. You're not trying to get free from a cigarette, tobacco, you're not, or nicotine. You're not trying to get free from sexual immorality. You're not trying to get free from gossip. You're not trying to get free from all that stuff. You're trying to get free from your flesh. As long as you're battling a thing, you will lose and 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 you'll be a loser all the way to your grave. But when you realize it's my flesh I'm trying to, I'm trying to overcome, that is something he's given me power over. <laughs> Amen. That's why the Bible doesn't tell you don't drink. That's why the Bible doesn't tell you don't smoke. That's why the Bible doesn't tell you all those things. Why? Because there's no bondage to it unless your flesh gets involved. And now the thing is not. See, what they want to tell you in, in, in some of these get well classes is stand up. I, my name is so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic. I've been in recovery for the last nine months. And they sit down. And the next one gets up. My name is so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic. And I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been sober for, for five years. They are proclaiming. They are proclaiming something over their, over their flesh, and their flesh likes it, and their flesh will hold on to it, and their flesh will never be delivered of it. I'm telling you, right now, the only way out of your flesh and taking charge of it is proclaiming what Jesus said. You cannot, you, we believe, therefore we speak. So the first thing we got to do is believe it. I mean, that means you're going to have to tell, turn television off. You're going to, that's why I told you I turned all my music off there for a while. What was I doing? I was reprogramming my mind to what God said about me. And when I got it, when I believed it, once I knew it, it was just like I know that I'm a white man. You can't walk up to me and clap hands with me and call me brother and, and think I'm, I'm, I'm just a brother from another mother maybe, but I am not black. I'm white. And you can't convince me any other way. When you get that convinced that you're righteous in Christ Jesus, that you are child of God, that you are, you are joint heir and, and, and heir with Christ Jesus, you are seated in heavenly places with him. He is the blood of Jesus Christ has washed me from all of my sin. And I have an advocate, and I have, a, I, have, I have a propitiation of my sin forever. I've received him, and as long as he's alive, I'm alive. 
and as long as he's alive, I'm forgiven. Now, when I get so strong in that, and I believe it so much, I start receiving it. When I start receiving it, it's what comes out of my mouth. And when it comes out of my mouth, it's so. It's established. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. See, that's why Paul said, I would not know you in any other way but through the love of God. Why? Because all that other stuff just clouds my mind of you. And besides that, you start revealing that mess. Well, as you reveal it, you're establishing that in your life. And we don't need that established in your life. You need to establish who you are in Christ in your, in your life. Amen. Is that all right today? Say it with me. I am free from sin through Christ Jesus. My propitiation. My advocate is active now. Amen. 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 I've already confessed my sin. Say it with me. I've already confessed my sin, devil. I've already confessed my sin, devil. And I'm not going to spend the rest of my life confessing my sin. Because I'm no longer a sinner, but I am a sinner who has been saved by grace. And now I'm a child of God and you need to get used to it. Because that's what I'm going to believe. And I'm not going to believe your lies anymore. Hallelujah. God bless you. Father, we thank you for this. Thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for this word. Father, we glorify you and we praise you for who you are in our life. Father, you are worthy of all of our praise. Father, Jesus, you are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of our thanksgiving. You are worthy, Father. You're not looking for our condemnation. You're not looking for our guilt. You're not looking for our sorry. You're not looking for our, forgive me, you're looking for our heart and life transformation. You're looking for our mind to be conformed to the Word of God. You're looking for us to think like you think about us. Father, we thank you for it. And Father, as we gather together to have soup on Super Sunday, we bless that food. It is sanctified in Jesus' name, and we bless this, this congregation and its fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now the food's been prayed over. So when the ladies say it's 